We were going to take it slowly. I didn't know it was going to take 15 months. Um, and then at that time, we were doing a little piece after the sermon called Going Deeper um, that many of our home groups would use as a bit of a conversation starter. And in the Going Deeper piece, Jeff asked me a question. So this was after I did the first introduction uh, message on the Gospel of John. Jeff said, what do you hope to see for the people at Coast Community as we spend time going through John's Gospel? And my answer was something along the lines of, I hope that going slowly through John's Gospel, we will have a fresh revelation of who Jesus is, of what he has called us to, and we would have a shift in the way we actually engage with Jesus daily on a personal level, but in a corporate way as a body as well. That we would shift from being, um, and I'll, uh, my own experience here, that, that, that sense of nearly like a cultural Christian or a nominal Christian or a Sunday only Christian, that, that's how I lived for a long time. Um, until I was captured by the person of Jesus and it changed everything. And so my hope was that that would be true for us collectively, um, that we would be captured by the person of Jesus as, as a body, as a, as a group of believers. And I hope that's the case. So when we began this journey in July last year, if we had a sense that God was doing something in his church, not just here on the Central Coast, but coming out of COVID, everywhere we looked, everything we read, everyone we were talking to, in our denomination, across denominations, internationally, were saying God's doing something new in his church. God can use all circumstances for good, even things like a worldwide pandemic. And there was this sense that um, pushing into being a follower of Jesus would, would have to happen in a fresh way for us. We would have to do some things differently. We would have to approach some things differently. So we started praying as a ministry team about revelation that people, us included, would have a fresh revelation of Jesus. That we would have an understanding of what he's calling us to, who he sees us to be, and how a life with him can actually make a difference in his world. Um, so John's Gospel, you might remember right back to the beginning, we. You know, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And Matthew, Mark and Luke are quite similar in a lot of their stuff. And you might remember, I don't know if you will, I didn't remember until I watched the video again this week, but I said that you know, Matthew was more about what Jesus said and to a Jewish audience. Luke is more about what Jesus said to a Gentile or a non-Jewish audience. Mark was more about what Jesus did, but John is more about who is Jesus. Who is this Jesus guy? And so we want to understand that as we've explored through John over all these months, John's purpose is that we would meet Jesus. And we would meet him as he truly is. We would accept his invitation to follow him and we would believe that he is the Messiah, that he is God in the flesh. John wants every one of us, as we listen to his gospel or as we read his gospel, to know Jesus personally, which leads to true life. 
There's a quote by a British um, theologian and pastor David Pawson, and he says this, he says, John's Gospel enables you to understand who Jesus is as a person so that at the end of the Gospel, you know Jesus. And to know Jesus is to know eternal life. That's the purpose of it. This is how Jesus put it. Jesus said this, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's, that's the definition of eternal life. Eternal life is to know God the Father through Jesus. That's where we get life from. True life, eternal life, real life, vibrant life. And so, as we've looked through every single verse in John's Gospel, there's two we haven't covered yet. Two verses. And they're not at the end of the Gospel, they're actually at the end of chapter 20. And this is those two verses. And this is actually Jesus's, sorry, John's purpose in writing it. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This was John's reason in writing his Gospel. And we have discussed over the last 15 months, he was really, really deliberate in what he included in his Gospel. There was these patterns of seven that kept turning up, the seven I am statements and the seven signs or miracles and the seven witnesses and the seven titles. And there was the, these themes running through of life and of light and of truth and of peace. And all these things were interwoven through John's Gospel really intentionally by the person John. And then he says here, this is why I have written this stuff. I have written it. And he gives three main reasons. So I want to look at those three main reasons. And the first is that you may believe. Who remembers the little grammar lesson from 15 months ago? No one? Okay, that's good. Oh, Matthew, I see one. Can you come up and share it for us? No? You don't remember it, do you? <laughs> Believing in Jesus. I thought, when I was first encountered this as a young person, and I was encouraged that if you believe in Jesus, yeah, things will be sweet for you. It's all good. You'll get to go to heaven. You're on the right side of the ledger. And what I thought that meant was, if, if I just have a mental understanding of a few things about this person, Jesus, I'm sweet. But that's not what it means. To believe in Jesus in this context. See, in the original Greek, when John wrote this, the word he uses for believe has around it what we would call a continuous tense. You know how we have past, present and future tense in our grammar? So, you understand that? Yep. Um, I used to be an English teacher, but I can't even remember half this stuff, so I won't pretend to do that. Um, but there's this present continuous tense that is mentioned in this passage. And so this present continuous tense would, if translated into English with the tense being really prevalent, would look more like this. So, so these things are written that you may 
go on believing, not a one-off, but you go on believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by going on believing, you may go on having life in his name. It's a continuous disposition. It's a continuous choice. It's a continuous um, ability to place yourself in that relationship with Jesus through his indwelling spirit, where it's not a one-off decision, but it's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment disposition that you hold. That's what he's saying here about that you may believe, that your life would be shaped by what you believe. And we've talked about that throughout this series too. We've talked about if you truly believe someone, your life is, sorry, if you truly believe something, your life is shaped by those things that you believe. I remember giving an example about gravity. I believe in gravity, I can't see it. I can see the effects of it, but because I believe in it, there are times when I will be really cautious coming to an edge of something because I know gravity will kick in if I choose to step off something. Now stepping off something this high, not a problem. But I've been on the edge of some pretty high things and you get very cautious as you get near the edge because this thing called gravity will just happen to you. And it's like that with our belief in Jesus. If we truly believe in Jesus, it will shape the decisions we make, the reactions we have, the way we engage, the way we respond, it will truly shape those things if we go on believing. And what are we going on believing? Well, we want to believe the second thing, that Jesus is the Messiah. This is so important. I was reading a book uh, called The King Jesus Gospel by Scott McKnight and he was unpacking why Jesus being the Messiah is really important for us as Christians. And he quoted a few well-known pastors and theologians from America who questioned why would it even be important that Jesus is the Messiah? And I remember reading through that and there's, there's something in this that we need to pay attention to. John's imagery and choice of material has shown clearly that Jesus is the fulfilment of the Old Testament. He's the fulfilment of the nation of Israel. Jesus was able to do what the nation of Israel was unable to do. Jesus has fulfilled all the promises that God has given through the Old Testament. We talk about the Old Testament being the law and the prophets and and wisdom. Jesus has fulfilled the law. Jesus has fulfilled the, the predictions and the prophecies and the promises that the prophets have given. All this has come true in the person of Jesus. It's really, really important to understand that he is the Messiah. So I always ask myself, why didn't the people in the day see that? The Jewish nation had been waiting for the Messiah to come. Here's Jesus demonstrating all these things and he was not accepted by the majority of them. And very simply, this is a whole other thing, but very simply, they were expecting a particular type of Messiah. In the, in the manner of King David, this 
military leader with might and power and an army behind them who's going to come in and kick out the Roman Empire and take over and, 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 and install a kingdom that they used to have many centuries before that. That wasn't the type of Messiah that Jesus was. And as we look back in hindsight with all the scriptures, we can see evidence that the scriptures kept talking about the kind of Messiah that was going to come, that he would be like a suffering servant, that he would um, prefer others, that the kingdom would be upside down to how the world's kingdoms operate in terms of power and corruption and, and might and all those things. What the law and the prophets pointed to was realised in the person of Jesus. John describes that beautifully. And so, Jesus being the Messiah, John says this. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That's so important for us. And then the third thing that's pointed out in this is that by believing you may have life in his name. In chapter 10, we heard Jesus say that he came to give us life, a, a full life, a rich life. What he's referring to here is a life that's actually aligned with truth and reality. It's not, in, in our world's eyes, we can't think that Jesus came to give us the kind of life that our culture says is the successful life. Jesus didn't come in to give us a life where there would be material wealth and goods and pleasures and pain-free and trouble-free and carefree. That's never what Jesus pointed to or talked about. But he came to give us a life that is true and that is real. We said at the beginning of this series that John's Gospel would point us in the direction where we can find actually purpose and meaning in our lives. Essentially, it would do these three things, we said. It would help to reveal reality. Looking at Jesus through John's Gospel would reveal reality. It would help us to pursue reality as we follow Jesus. And it would equip us to share that reality with others. That's the framework that we had when we actually felt God saying, dig into this gospel, spend some time in it. Equip one another in this idea of what it means to live in reality and reality is in a relationship with Jesus with God the Father through Jesus that is the most real life can get and if that's where we position ourselves John helps us understand what it means to pursue that to make choices each day to align yourself to that and we can't do that alone. So that's why it's important that we've been doing this together. We've been journeying this together. We can help one another in that. And then we can be equipped to actually share this reality with others. That's the picture of being a disciple. That's the picture of being a follower of Jesus. That's the picture of being a Christian. 
is that it's not about my personal salvation and my ticket to heaven. It's about I can be involved in what God's doing in his world. And what he's doing in his world is renewing and restoring and redeeming and recreating all things back to himself. And he, through his indwelling spirit, allows us to be part of that journey with him. That's what John's been pointing us to. That we can be agents of reconciliation and renewal in our families, in our neighbourhoods, in our workplaces, in our sporting teams, in our universities, in our classrooms, everywhere we find ourselves. As, we're, as we've had reality revealed to us, as we are pursuing that personally and, and together, we can then share that with others. It's a great picture. It is the picture of the Christian life. Now remember, Jesus is Messiah. The word Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's the Latin word for Messiah. So Christ and Messiah mean the same thing. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. And to be a Christian is to be a little Christ. Just think about that for a second. To be a Christian is to be like a little Messiah in terms of what you can bring to the world around you. I'm not saying we are God. I'm not saying we are the same as Jesus. I'm saying Jesus in us through his spirit enables us to do the things that the Messiah did. What did Jesus do as the Messiah? He loved people. He welcomed people. He forgave people. He embraced people. He, he, he spoke against injustice and cruelty and separation and disintegration. He, he was the one who was practicing and modeling the very reality of what we call the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign in the world. That's what Jesus modeled for us, and that's what he calls us to be part of. John's gospel has shown us that really clearly. It is more than warming a seat, thinking you've got a ticket to heaven because you've made some decision about this person, Jesus, once upon a time in your life. It's so much more than that. And I've had that revealed afresh to me as we've journeyed through this. So what I want to do is I'm going to pray and just thank the Lord for what he has done in me, in us, as we've explored this. And then, then I just want to have a moment just to maybe hear from you what exploring John for 15 months has done in your walk with Jesus. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your written word. I thank you for this gospel that we have just marinated in for over a year. I thank you that through your word, through your scripture and through the truth, you have brought revelation as to who you are, as to who we are, as to what you've called us to, and how you want us to function in those spaces. So I pray we would have boldness and courage to step into this in a new way, every single one of us, that we would understand who you say we are, we would understand that you are in us. We would understand that as we abide in you, just like 
uh, a branch into a vine, that as we abide in you, it's your fruit that will be produced in our life, and it's your fruit in our lives that people will be able to taste and see and encounter so that they would know what you're like. So I pray you would do a work in us, you would continue to shape us and mould us and use us for your glory in this part of your world, that we would be your church, your hands and feet, your body, for your glory and for your honour, and that we would point people to you because of what you have done and are doing in us. So I want to thank you for that. In your name. Amen.